are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Your Bibles, we're in the book of First. Where are we at tonight? First Timothy. First Timothy, if you'll open your Bibles there, if they're not open, and keep them there. I got involved in your song. I should have had my Bible open. Our Father, tonight we thank you for the privilege of coming to the house of God. This is a sacred place. This is the place that America needs, the New Testament local church. God, forgive us for causing it to become so casual, so carnal, canceling services all over America, churches, beautiful buildings, edifices, are empty tonight, they're cold, the lights are off. And yet in the city of New York, they need churches opened. The buildings are there, built historic buildings and in Boston and in Baltimore, in every state and including this state. Yet the vast majority of churches have been closed on Sunday night I pray that we realize that our country is in the midst of judgment. Lord, help us to see we're not preparing for judgment, we are in judgment. A nation that's now harvesting the body parts of babies. How in the world could we get so degraded, so wicked? Wake us up. God, I pray that there would be something that would happen tonight that would change us in this hour in which we live. May we not be so careless. May we see the hour as Isaiah did and Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and as Joel and Hosea and Amos and Obadiah and Daniel And as the prophets of God saw the danger, I pray that, God, we would see the ramifications of sin, the result of sin, the consequence of sin. Please wake us up. In Jesus' name, amen. I mentioned this morning our our nation needs God. It's very obvious we need God. It's very obvious we've turned our back on God. The swearing, the cussing, the blasphemy in our capital. Coming out of Washington, D.C., the casualness coming out of God's people and the New Testament local church, the collapse of the home. Our country is in need of God. And this morning I spoke on a call to the home. Our homes must come back to God Dad, you have to play with your children. You need to learn to get a basketball. So, well, we live in an apartment. Well, there's a park in your neighborhood. Go shoot basketballs. Walk with your kids. Ride with your kids. Play with your kids. Pray with your kids. 
Every night, you ought to hear a daddy and a mama praying and bringing that family back to God. You ought to have a family that's praising God for all the good things that God has done that day. And so we play together, we pray together, we praise together, we precept together, we take the word of God and teach our family the word of God. We pocketbook the family, we teach our children how to handle money and be thrifty and pay as you go and save your money and work hard. We teach our children, we invest in our children and then the children leave and it's you and your wife that pray together. And I promise you, and I'm not very good at it, but we pray together every night. And Mr. Trevor, I'll tell you, some nights I'm falling asleep as I pray. And I have fallen asleep during prayer. Uh, I sense her giggling. I said, you fell asleep. And I'm ashamed of that, but that happens. But your kids need prayer. Your church needs prayer. Your pastor's wife needs prayer. Your pastor needs prayer. Your city needs prayer. These public schools need prayer. Our missionaries need prayer. The servants of God need prayer. The high school kids in this church and in your church need prayer. And husbands and wives ought to pray and then one will pass off the scene if the Lord tarries and that one that's left needs to continue to prayer. You have the family, you have the children. Now they're gone and you're left, it doesn't mean they're exempt from prayer. So this morning we saw a call to the home to come back to God. Tonight I'm calling on the church to come back to God. I never believed, I would have never believed I was born shortly right after World War II. And as I preached a few weeks ago, the boom that was happening in America, economically, architecturally, the housing tracks that were going up everywhere. Cars were being produced in the, uh, in the factories once again. It was a wonderful time. Churches were on the rise. Churches are growing. Nothing was open in the 50s and early 60s on Sunday. You didn't go grocery shopping. And I live 15 minutes from here. You did not go grocery shopping on Sunday. Everything was closed. You didn't go to J.C. Penney. It was closed. You didn't go to the Mobile or the Flying A gas station or the Texaco. They were closed to the shell. They were closed on Sunday. Sunday was the Lord's Day, a holy day, not a holiday. Major League Baseball, when they finally allowed them to begin to play, they had to play after the morning service and had to be finished before night and that's why, before evening service, that's why if you go back and look, some of those games ended in a tie because you had to get to church. Church was established on the farmer's schedule. A farmer had cows. You'd have to milk the cows in the morning and exactly 12 hours later. And so they'd milk those cows at four in the morning or no later at five. That means that Sunday night they milked at four and five got cleaned up. Most of our churches, all, even when I came here, when we started, we, we started at 7.30. Churches were at 7.30 in the nation because farmers got done about 6.45 and they got cleaned up and they went to the house of God. But in every city that you represent, that I represent tonight, you cannot find churches open tonight. 
You'll not find a Lutheran, a Presbyterian, a Methodist. You won't find in your own city, in many of your cities, ours as well, a Baptist church open. But the need of this nation is the New Testament local church. Jesus gave his life for the church. How careless that we cancel church and say, God, your son means nothing to us. We've got another agenda tonight. To me, it's blasphemous. It's demeaning the Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight, we don't need the church to be a worldly church. We don't need it to be a play church. All about play, worldliness and party. We don't need a liberal church. We don't need a carnal church. Paul said to the church at Corinth, I could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as carnal. I don't want a carnal church beginning this pulpit and going to those pews. Oh, how we ought to live righteous and godly and holy in Christ Jesus and so much the more as we see the day approaching. He is coming again. I believe every church and every, every city needs a holy, a hard-hitting, a preaching, a, a, a hymn-singing church. Not watching the clock when to get out. Not getting out of church at the invitation to be first to get the kids. Get out of the parking lot. But those that say, God may just show up with this invitation. My son, my daughter, my husband, my wife might get saved, though they claim salvation right now. I want to say that tonight every city needs a church. And tonight I'm going to try to ask us to rally back to the New Testament church. Oh, Dr. Lee Robertson, I miss that sweet man. Somebody was telling me this morning, who was telling me? said, I came so many years ago. I'll get the name in a while. I'm good with memory. I've got a good long-term memory periodically. They said, I was here. I was here when you had the warm-up conference on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Was that you, Brother Poussin? That was you. You can go back to sleep now. <laughs> Brother Poussin, we were talking between Sunday school and church. It was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Is that right? Is that how I was pretty close to that? And Dr. Lee Robertson came up to the warm-up, and, and Dr. Malone came up, and on Sunday, Mrs. John R. Rice came up. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, long services, two preachers a night. Oh, there's a hunger. There's such a hunger. And we have turned in America, and not here, I know, not your church, but predominantly we turn, we've got to make everything fun. Got to make it fun so you'll want to come to church. We're having, are we having a good time yet? Ha, having a good time? How about preach the word of God? Forget about the good time. And you'll leave saying, it's been a pretty good time. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of God. If you'll look with me in your scripture tonight, where we are in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Paul said in verse number 14, these things write unto thee. What things? The things about the pastor and the things about the deacon, these things I write unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. I hope I can see you. I hope I can see you. I would think, Brother Copeland, the preachers, no, we have longed to see you. We have looked forward to this for so long. 
It is my prayer that all the flights will be on time and people get here. We long to see the people of God, the preachers, the missionaries, their wives, their families. We long to see the people of God that are here. We long to get together. I long, as you do, I long for Sunday school. I long, we have the world's best class. We, my wife, I, we love our class. I long for Sunday morning every week. And you say, you've been going your whole life. I know, I still long for it. I long to hear that choir, Brother Eliud, I just saw, long, long every Sunday, you know I do. I long to preach the word of God or hear it preach. I long for Sunday night. I long for Wednesday night. I want church. And Paul said, I want it. Now he knew he was gonna die, chapter, second, second Timothy, time my departure's at hand. He knew his head was gonna be severed. I'm now ready to be offered. I'm ready to die. And he's saying here, I wanna see you. I wanna see you. I look at my chairman of the Medicans back there and a sweet wife. I long to see them. I saw Sister Jackie this morning and she came and she gave me a sweet hug. Oh, I love her. She's uh, a lot younger than me. She's 89, 90 years old. I don't know what she is, but I, she's not even in that realm yet. I long to see the people of God. I long, you men know it, the scene. I love to see those ushers down here come down and see them up there in the back. I look forward to it. I look every time. I long for the invitation. I long to hear the instrumentalists. I long to see the people of God. And Paul said, I'm longing, but if I tarry long, if I can't make it, I want to make it. Brother Dan Charles at home watching this service, they stopped the chemo. Brother Dan wants to be in church tonight. And Paul said, I, if I carry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. You notice tonight God is gonna give us an outline in this verse how to behave ourselves, how we're supposed to behave. Church needs order. Church needs rules. Church, I'm having a hard time tonight with this thing. I never have a hard time. And there's no sound man up there. The rapture occurred. Why would he take the sound man? Of all people I thought would be left behind. Sorry, guys, not your fault, it's mine. How to behave yourself. That's why God says in 1 Corinthians 14, let all things be done decently in order. God is not the God of confusion. We want a day where the church, you can behave however you want. No, sir. And you people that are delegates here and your pastors trying to, trying to honor God and keep a strong hand on the ministry which he has been commissioned to do as a shepherd, a poimane, as a didascalos, a teacher, as, as a, as a, 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 a keruk, a preacher of the assembly, a, a overseer of the assembly. The Bible says he's a, a, a episcopos and a presbyteros, a president of the assembly. He's in charge, he's responsible 
for the cause of Christ. Why do we have to fight everything? Why does there have to be a fight? Thank you, deacons, not this here. Why does there have to be a fight with the deacons? Are the deacons wives? Why does there have to be a fight with staff or with ushers or with uh, Sunday school teachers and bus workers? When I say that, I'm not incriminating my people. They're the best. But I hear some horror stories. What in the world's going on? We war against this wicked one called the devil. The world, the flesh, the devil. That warring ought not to come from inside the church. But if I tarry long, you may know how to behave yourself. Behave deals with behavior. Our manner of living, our conduct, and our conduct is always reveals, it reveals our character. Our conduct shows really who we are. Our attitude reveals our heart. Our words reveal our heart. Our action reveals our heart. Our dress reveals our heart. Our worldliness reveals our heart. And there's enough world out there, we don't need more world in here. Why are we trying to mirror the world with the New Testament local church? I've not been in a tavern in my life. For what I know, those taverns are dark and dingy. Why are we spray painting the ceilings black and getting rid of the pulpit and bringing in a rock band and putting the purple lights up everywhere? It's not a dance hall. This is a New Testament local church and we ought to behave ourselves that thou mayest know how to be. A man's gonna die, he knows he's gonna die, and he said, I want you to know how to behave. I love you millennials, but stop pushing the line. Stop introducing this new philosophy that is, it's, it's proven it's wrong historically. We have the emerging church today but the emergent church is not new. Somehow we think we found something new. You go back to the 1895 in Scott, Massachusetts. Christianity met together and they gave us 15 principles. They said, here's the compromise that's invading our churches, the Lutheran churches, the Presbyterian churches, the congregational churches, the Baptist churches. Here's the compromise. And they listed 15 ingredients. Those were repeated in 1948 in a term called New Evangelicalism. It was liberalism. It was, it was modernism. And then it became New Evangelicalism. And now it became contemporary. And now it's become emergent. But the same Foundation, we've gotta be more accepted by the community. I need to be accepted by God. I answer to God, not the quote community. Community is a buzzword today, that means everything goes. Whatever you wanna be, whatever you wanna act, you are, you say I'm a man, but I really feel like a woman. I don't feel like a woman, I'll tell you that right now. You millennials, you think you stumble on something, you haven't stumbled on anything. It's not new. 
And the result of that historically is always corruption. I mentioned to our people a few weeks ago how that in the late 1800s, in this country you were not considered an educated preacher unless you came under German rationalism, European philosophy, and so many would go back to Germany and study rationalism, reasoning, questioning the Bible, and they brought that philosophy back in. And then, thank God, World War I began to purge this whole world in many areas. 70 to 85 million people died in that awful bloodbath, but the nations of the world, particularly America, turned back to God. And tonight, God says, I want you to know how you conduct yourself, how, you, how your manner of living, how your behavior, that, that if I tarry long, thou mayest know how to behave thyself. Young college students, we love you so much. I get a lot of hope when I get around these college and the high school kids. But don't leave here, think you have to invent something new. We are so crowd sensitive. God did not promise that you're supposed to build a crowd. God said, I'll build the church. And in my estimation, and yours as well, a man that's pastoring in the Silicon Valley with over nine million people around him and two million in the Silicon Valley right here, he ought to have more people than a guy preaching in the back holler in a country road with a handful of people. Thank God if your church is 15 or 1,500, it's God's institution, and you're God's man, and God's people, but not only our behavior. If I tell you long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself, here it is, in the house of God. In the house of God, would you read that please? In the house of God, whose house is this? God's house. This is God's house. Keep it as God's house. This is not a sports arena. This is not a playground. This is not a casual house, a worldly house, a carnal house. This is not a rock band crowd, a house. This is not amusement house. This is God's house. Does God ever show up? Our listeners that are listening literally around the globe, did God show up in your church on Sunday? Was God there? Was he welcome? I was saved right over here in 1956, a few miles away. When I wasn't baptized in 1959, I didn't know it was immediately. My parents, we didn't know that. I was baptized outside in a city called Stockton, California. Dr. John R. Siemens baptized me and my twin sister. And I want you to know that that day that I was baptized, I was identified with the New Testament local church. I found out that that church meant so much to me. And my home church meant where we later came back meant so much to me. I don't regret going to church and I could hear Pastor Smith or Pastor Siemens or Pastor Swanson or Pastor Sanders. I stayed with the S's. I heard those men preach. And I tell you what, I, I loved church. I loved it. He's in a boy. We'd sing these hymns. I'd sit by my dad. Some nights I'd sit on the other side of my mother. 
I tried to keep my eye on my two sisters and make sure they were getting it. They never did. I'd spent time there in church. I loved it. I loved hearing the people sing. I loved the harmony. I loved to hear preaching. I loved it. I love fellowship with God's people. It's God's house, the church. You know, our car, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back to that old 53, 53 Chevy we had, almost brand new, station wagon. And an amazing thing, every time the church doors open, revival, missions, every time, about an hour, hour and a half before church, that old 53 Chevy would start herself up. And she starts sending messages to the kitchen. Emily, Gubby, get the kids ready. We're ready to go. They'd rev the engine, that old 53, rev it up. We're ready to go to church. Why are we becoming so careless with God's house? We're here one Sunday, gone the next. We're in Sunday school one week and miss the next. We'll come to Sunday night, miss the next one. We'll miss the Wednesday night. God's word says not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of such is, but exhorting one another and so much the more. As you see the day approaching, he is coming again. He is coming again. This very same Jesus rejected up man. Can you imagine if every church house tonight in this city and in your city was filled with people singing out of the old hymn book and preaching out of the old King James Bible and had a passion in their heart for the things of God and then released them to go home and Sunday night after church, all diets are off. You eat whatever you want. You get up and go to church, work tomorrow morning and this old Presbyterian boy said, oh, I tell you, my preacher got with it last night. This old Methodist boy said, my preacher did. He said, that's nothing, boys. You should have come to an independent, fundamental, temperamental Baptist church. It was on last night. To rescue a sinner like me was the choir song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And then God's word was open and people got this, made decisions for God. Behave thyself in the house of God. Please, God's people that are watching, God's people here, please, don't bring this world into this church. We've got enough world out there on the news. We've got enough world out there in the day-to-day living because this is the house of the living God. And did you see that? That if thou mayest know how to, one, behave thyself, two, in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Thirdly, we we don't serve in a dead institution. We serve in a living institution. It's alive. Thank God, the New Testament church, it's alive because our leader is alive. From the grave, he arose. If we become dead in our Christian life, it's not God's fault, it's mine because I'm in the church of the living God. And fourthly, and I'm done. It's the pillar 
and the ground of truth. Pillar, in a sense, may have a little bit more sense to you and I that are from California. A pillar is a column. And here, because they say we'll have earthquakes to come, they take these pillars. I don't know what Brother Dave they're called, but they begin to drive those things, and I'm looking at you. They drive them down about 100 feet, don't they? They go more than that, about 100, 150. And they drive these pillars with this automatic hammer that's way up in the air, and they start, and they just push that thing down. I don't know how far does it go, three inches a time, four inches a time, six inches a time, whatever it does. Brother Dave, you just go ahead and sleep on right there, okay? <laughs> but whatever it is, it goes down. He's got it. He's nodding his head, and I think I'm right. It goes down. They work on it a day, and they work on it. They're putting the columns down in the ground. And the pillar and the ground, the ground is the foundation. And you attach the foundation to the pillar. Because when the earthquakes come, and in your life, the earthquakes will come. And thank God you have the church of the living God that when you bury your loved ones, you can come to the church that's alive. And thank God that you can come to church when you're blue and you're sad and you're depressed and discouraged and the whole world's collapsing around you. The pillar, the pillar, the column, the, 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 column, the support, that's, that the weight of the building rests upon the pillar and the ground of the truth. The deeper we go, rooted and grounded in him, the higher it can go. The far more reaching, the far, far greater reaching church it can have because you have to get some foundation in here. You young children and young teenagers get a lot of foundation in so that when your peers in Bible college said, we found a new way. We found a way that's really getting the crowd that's a buzzword that you want to walk away from because your ministry is not to get the crowd. It's to preach the word. It's to be faithful unto him that it will give the crown of life, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Tonight, this institution must be loved. It must respect it. We cannot compromise it. And as a marriage and a home is so important in a city to see a nation, back to God, so is the New Testament local church. You must invest your life here. Parents, I beg you, raise your kids at the house of God. I cannot guarantee the result. You may raise them for God, they might marry right, and then all of a sudden the mate of your son or your daughter might walk away from God. You might begin to raise your grandkids. Your son or your daughter may do something wrong, be behind bars. Or they may be in a dance band church. But you still have a responsibility before God to live for God a lifetime and finish your course. As I think our church tonight, let's lift them up. Secondly, let's preach. Thirdly, let's sing. Fourthly, let's teach. Fifthly, let's serve. Let's tie the soul win. Let's hold to this old book and not waver. 
Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.